Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. This week, uh, it's a food show. I will be eating crackers on this show, and uh, that's exciting and strange for a theology podcast, but that's okay. Uh, We're actually talking about thirst, and if you've ever woken up and wondered, gosh, there's something missing in my life, Um, there's something, there's got to be more to this existence than what I have right now. We're going to we're going to talk about that. Maybe your soul is thirsty for something more. And we're going to talk about how do you acquire that? How do you drink from a well that is actually that actually quenches their thirst? So, anyway, let's dive right into this episode of the Red Couch Theology podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll actually be serious right on the hour. Okay. Wait, but, but, but that would be new for us. <laughs> uh, we'll actually be intentional as silly <laughs> on the hour. Um, so I can continue to shop for stuff. You're shopping? Mm. I've been looking for a bike. I just bought the kids mountain bikes. And yeah. I to start riding with them. So I've been looking for one because I don't have one. Um, I have one that definitely wouldn't fit you. Yeah, well, it's an XL. <laughs> it's ginormous. Yeah, it probably is. Although tr- tr- traditionally, like XL frame, I am about an XL frame size. You must just be an XL frame size with the seat massively up. Yeah, I don't know. Because um, they big. don't go like, like the, even the biggest ones tend to be like five foot 10 and above. Yeah. Um, I'm not exactly a mountain bike connoisseur yeah. individual kind of a person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah so. Really and... what, what I'm looking for is a great bike for really cheap. Yeah. So if you are listening to this, we apologize. No, we don't. We're welcome to our nonsense. I apologize <laughs> because I actually care about our listeners. <laughs> no. Hey, it's on the hour. We're live, whether we're live or not. Whether we've been live for the last few minutes arguing about who cares about you almost. Yes. Um, so I made the mistake of updating uh, ProPresenter, which is our little pre-show music thing of a bobber that you guys hear. And um, and then uh, it made it so it doesn't work anymore. Mm. <laughs> so uh, I actually don't know when that started, but hopefully, uh, if you would like to donate a mountain bike to Alex, <laughs> he was he was no, looking no, no, for no, mountain bikes like before the show. A good mountain bike. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. Um, so on the show today, we actually have a challenge that was issued to us, and here here's the deal. Alex is on a special diet. Oh wow, my camera angle's horrible. Also, oh, it, that's so interesting. It looks like we're like on the like a boat that's sinking. Yeah, interesting. Can we fix? I'm that just going to move it real quick and entertain. Talking about what? Yes, <laughs> there was an Englishman, an Irishman, and a Scottishman. No, wait, hold on. Um, so we are. So so we did have some requests for a um, what is called the saltine challenge now. Uh, I, I love the, well, actually, no, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. And so saltine challenges was exactly the sort of thing that we used to do with students. And I um, uh, am now trying to be all sophisticated and not youth pastorish. Oh, oh wow. Well, that's um, still bad. That's actually worse. I think you actually made the angle worse. I did. Darn. Did you I, turn it the wrong way? Should I look at the camera maybe? Maybe. I don't know. Should we, should we just start again? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week with a rebrand. <laughs> yeah. 
that's that looks better than it was um and, and given that a whole chunk of people don't even listen or watch, don't even watch yeah it's just uh, listen yep all right um, so yeah saltine cracker and you so the theory is you cannot it is impossible to eat six saltine crackers in is it 30 seconds yeah uh, without a drink like theoretically now i believe like if anyone could do this you are the sort of person that can do this um i don't know you, yes. just, have, you just have a superpower for these kind of things really like yeah just like the like so the normal rules of physicality don't apply to you um so <laughs> so, so someone issued this challenge because why well because we talked about thirst last week there so so one of the things and i and i think i did we did maybe even talk about like at least running people through an imaginary version of this in the service at one yeah, point. Yeah, because we had communion. Because we had communion. And, and, and we were talking about Jeremiah, the prophets. Uh, he, he, pull, he, he creates this illustration um, where he says, the people of Judah have done two incredible things. They've forsaken God, the fountain of life, and they've um, dug themselves cisterns that cannot hold water. Yeah. Now, now that sounds kind of bad to us in the 21st century, but in the time that it was written, water was very scarce. No one like, no one's blasé about water. Yeah. No one turns away from real springs. You don't have any real springs. Like you, you got maybe one or two. And if you find one, it's like gold. So, so to them, it's horrific. Now, now we just don't even understand thirst, I think is the difficult thing. Yes. Um, and so on Sunday, you had... We took communion, which we typically get the little, the little um, cracker, cracker, mm -hmm. and you had them take the cracker yeah. and then hold off to take yeah. the wine or the yeah, juice, yeah. rather. And the idea was just, just as a small little nudge. But then someone issued the challenge. Yeah. And so we were actually going to shift the challenge because Alex is trying to avoid wheat right now. Yeah. And so the challenge for Alex will be FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> he's totally. gonna fear of missing out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so You'll he's gonna cool have to watch me. Podcast eat six crackers so if you're on the audio podcast we're sorry you don't get to hear see is like munch 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 munch, munch, munch. this yeah. could be horrible yeah absolutely if this is like the lowest rated episode that we ever do we need to find out who sent that question in and then we're, yeah. we're going to hold them six. accountable one two three four five six and i just supposed to eat them in a minute yeah you can eat them in whatever form you want and i don't know if it's a minute or 30 seconds i can't remember well according to the question that was submitted uh -huh. um I feel like I'm on a game show. All Absolutely, yeah. It's it's very uh, it's very David Letterman. Six saltines, sixty seconds, no water. Hold on. Do you want to time me? I'm, well, I'm just, I was actually just going to look up the saltine. No, 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 because I feel like this is probably no, no, easier no, than theirs. That might be true. Yeah, <laughs> than the real true. one. No, no, no. In sixty seconds to eat six saltine crackers, in theory, it's impossible. Um, although this just says it's difficult. Although the challenge may sound trivial, it is difficult because the crackers quickly exhaust the saliva in the mouth. Even though six saltines can fit in one's mouth at the same time, and a minute is plenty of time to chew, the resulting mass of crumbs is still <laughs> difficult to swallow with a dry mouth. Wow. Mm. How far our podcast has come. I know, absolutely. Apparently Peyton Manning did it, though. Yeah? Um, yeah. Ooh, yeah, Peyton yeah. Manning. Me and Peyton Manning in the same, like category okay so if you want any advice in entering into this whoa whoa whoa. okay all right you want advice i don't know um, maybe do i do i want to just like so peyton manning failed the first time because he tried doing them one at a time oh um and and he succeeded the second time when he stacked them all um, Ooh, i was definitely going one at a time yeah, so that so might be apparently that's not, cheating not, yeah well according to peyton manning um 
and apparently Peyton Manning is that personality. He will work out a way to do anything. He's just that competitive. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, here we go. The six confirm six crackers. One, two, three, four, five, six. Are they official brand? Are they branded? I don't know. So uh, here's, I, I told Teresa, like who kind of curates these questions for us. I was like, I'm sorry, I don't have any salty crackers. She's like, today, she's like, guess what's on your desk? No. I was like, oh, no, I have to do the challenge. All right. Uh, I told her I was just going to watch because of my diet, and she was like, that's brilliant. I like that. All right, here so we go. Let's see what you can do. Um, it's 106. Oh, I've got a little watch hand and stuff. I feel like the size of your mouth gives you an advantage. You actually look like you're making it really easy. It's quite embarrassing. I never came up with this. This looks like you breeze through mm. this. Hmm. Hmm. You've even got time to hum, and you've you've got like a whole forty seconds left. Have you ever looked into like what your saliva production is compared to the average person? Mm. <laughs> oh, now see the time is starting to catch up on you. You've got twenty seconds left. Oh, wow. Mm. Mm -mm. No, not going to happen? Because you've only got, now you're coming up to 10 seconds, 9 seconds, mm. 8, 5. I can't. Oh, no. See, it is impossible, even for someone like you. I was going to give you 4 seconds grace because I may have looked at the wrong time. No, still not there, still going. Wow, well, there we go. Half gone. Half gone, okay. Well, well, we'll take it as a moral victory. I but managed least, to you know swallow. First is, although I'm intrigued because of your like upbringing, um, mm -hmm. growing up in, in Rwanda, I feel like you must have had more appreciation for water than the average American kid. Is that fair or not fair? I guess in a, a little bit. I was. I don't think I was ever thirsty. Yeah. But... But you must have been aware, like, well, well, some people didn't have water, or do you feel like as a 10, 11-year-old kid, you just weren't processing those kind of things? Well, we had to ration water. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's that, even that. City like, water would shut off Yeah. for days. There's this great little uh, Instagram reel going around at the moment uh, of a guy who's... Whoa. Yeah, you okay? I'm good. <laughs> he's, he's like, it's, a, it's like a young millennial guy even gen z guy and, and for some reason he's shirtless i can never figure out why he's shirtless in the video but he's, he's asking like is it true that you used to drink from the hose pipe yeah. when you were you were kids like you guys that are like older um and is that because you were like you th there were no sinks like why was it and this guy's like with this beard like probably in his like mid 40s has done this whole cool video about like pretending like we weren't allowed in the house yeah um you know and we had this great place the outdoors and uh you know it's of course it's a magical yeah. place never many people today have not seen the place um <laughs> and then he talks about drinking from the hose pipe and stuff yeah. i mean so i think i think the the thirst that we grew up with physically was always um you could always deal with it in some way even if he was drinking out of a hose pipe the my experience going to places like Haiti was watching the excitement about the arrival of clean water. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they would, the, 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 one of the staff guys would bring in like a, a truck loaded with all these little bags of water. Um, and just the excitement on the kids' faces <laughs> was just, was just a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, 
Philippines, same deal, going to collect water. We go in the back of the jeepney and like have these huge barrels of water that we bring in for people. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there is just in the West, this complete lack of appreciation for what it might be to not have water. Yes. Um, <laughs> and we definitely had to ration water in Rwanda. We'd have a big cistern mm -hmm. that was elevated that my dad welded together himself. And he would fill that when we did have water, city water. And yeah. then when we didn't have city water, we would, we would ration it. You'd, sh you know, take showers with just like, turn on the water, mm -hmm. wet, wet yourself briefly, quick rinse, yeah. soap up, rinse, 30 second shower. Yeah. We did the same, like Philippines, <laughs> like say like half a bucket of water over your head, like soap up the rest of the water over your head to wash off the soap and stuff like that. That was a shower. Um, yeah. Uh, and it was always cold. It wasn't heated. It was so. So I think we living in a world where we get um, on tap hot water, <laughs> flush toilets, all of those different things. Even like the, the you remember the what was the ALS, ALS challenge that people were doing for a while? It was the ice bucket thing. Mm -hmm. um, ice bucket challenge. I think you guys should ice bucket challenge, Alex. Yeah. Now you've done the saltines cracker. I should do the ice bucket one. Yeah. There's no there's no wheat in ice buckets. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think me not doing it was a great advantage to the the sense that the podcast made. Yes. <laughs> There'd just be this dead least, space for, for navigate people for well over 60 seconds, <laughs> nothing happening on the podcast. We've got dead air. Um the the I, I think it was Matt Damon that did it like f with water from the toilet. Um because he said, I just, he's, he's works with a lot of water charities and stuff. And he said, I just wanted to highlight the fact that the water in my toilet is cleaner than the water in like one third of the world. Um, wow. So, so just, yeah, just wanting people to capture that. Hmm. Like, he's like, we think we might think, oh yeah, that's gross. But, but a lot of people would use that as drinking water yeah. um, quite happily because of. of Which I think brings us to this. This next question, um, yeah, in the sermon today, we talked about being thirsty and more specifically being thirsty for the Lord. My question is, how do we get grasp what it means to be thirsty when we do not lack basic needs of humanity? And basically the same thing we're just talking about. Yeah, does the salt... Um, I, I've did, never did, experienced did the that cracker, kind of... Did the saltine crackers work for you? To make me appreciate liquid yes for a moment yeah for a moment yeah, yeah yes it absolutely did um yeah there is a moment where and you're in the middle there like i felt like oh i'll just swallow to win the challenge you can't you can't swallow yeah, 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 yeah until you have at least enough moisture to let it go down your throat yeah there, you just physically can't swallow i tried at the end uh -huh. so yeah so i think to answer this is you have to start to find, I'm like burping into the <laughs> microphone and everything. You have to find, so where are we actually thirsty? Mm. And we've talked about this on that podcast a bunch in the past where we're maybe relationally thirsty. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the physical, the physical thirst, even like in the moment, you can't replicate it because we can't take away the fact that we can end our own suffering whenever we want. So even if I were to, um, to, to go and say, I'm just going to go without water for the next three days or however long the maximal like risk, not risky length yeah. is. I think it's less than three days. Still, 
at any point I can just say, right, I'm just going to go get a drink. My, the ending is in my own power. Um, yes. And, and that's true of almost anything. I, I mentioned to you the other day in the 90s, this great British band wrote a song about poverty. Uh, and they talked about a rich girl who wants to experience poverty. She goes and s ends up in a relationship with uh, uh, a guy in, who's poor. And he starts talking about all the things they'll do together to experience that. But, but his conclusion in the bridge is, but even if we do all that, you'll never really know it. Because you can lie there in an apartment with roaches all over the wall, with nothing to eat. And all you have to do is pick up the phone and call your dad. And it's all over. Um, like you're back in the the rich suburban environment you grew up in. Yeah. And he said, it's not like that for me. I, this is my life. This is permanent. But see, isn't that actually, I mean, again, this is an illustration. And the appreciation for water in when this, this, this text, which if you are just catching on to the episode, um, we're in the book of Jeremiah and this, and you already talked a little bit about Jeremiah that, chapter two, verse 12. That, section that illustration of cisterns and wells and water and fountains and so yes they appreciated water more back then um but is that actually what he's saying no because oh, what no, he's no, saying no, no, is no, no, no. actually just like the girl in the song yeah she could she could pick up the phone and call her dad and totally. get out of the roach yeah, filthy. Yeah. and jeremiah's point is you could actually do something about yes. this Issue. Yeah, so he's tr he's trying to get them to see just how baffling what they've actually done is. Yes. So that that's the purpose of the metaphor. So I which don't is think... part of that song too, right? Yeah, Isn't yeah. it like that she's chosen to be in yes. poverty? Isn't that yeah. part of the beauty of the song? Yeah, totally. And 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 of course, the irony of the song is that he's now a super rich rock star that's singing the song, um, even <laughs> though he used to be poor. He's like, well, he escaped it too. Yeah. Uh, but Jeremiah picks on an image that makes sense for them. It might be that another image makes sense for us, um, and 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 we could pick like almost anything. That I, I was trying to think of like just like fun little metaphors that kind of translate. I, I was uh, when I first met Dan Elliott, our associate pastor. He was telling me about how he'd lived. He moved to Colorado from the Midwest, then he moved back to the Midwest briefly, and yeah. then came back to Colorado like a year afterwards. Yeah. Um, it's like once you've lived in the mountains, like why do you go somewhere else? Um, yeah. like the, the, there's, there's illustrations that we could pick up on that are probably similar for our society. I don't think the goal of the teaching or of, um, or of the passage is to try and figure out physical thirst. So the, the question finishes with this. I think I'm struggling to wrap my mind around being thirsty when I have not experienced need like others mm. around the world. So yes, that illustration does seem to break down for us. But I guess the reality is when this was written, they may not have been thirsty e either physically. They may have had a higher appreciation for water. It was still an illustration of a deeper spiritual thirst. Mm -hmm. that, so even in the text, it's an illustration. It's not the direct thing. That's what I mean. Thing. Yeah, that's that's what that's what I was trying to get at. Really, it's supposed to highlight the absurdity of the neglect of the God of the universe for gods that aren't real in Jeremiah's language. Um, I mean, that that's to him. It's it's around idol worship. That's the central yeah. learning point of the passage. And so our our thirst. So the equivalent um, for us is actually the same. Yeah. It's a spiritual thing. It's a hunger and thirsting for God. And 
the weird, the unfortunate part, maybe that this is alluding to this in this question is that, uh, I have a physical sensation when I have six crackers in my mouth mm -hmm. that it's just dry and my body, my brain is sending signals. This is not okay. Mm -hmm. You need to deal with this. Mm -hmm. Spiritually speaking, that reflex is less physical and less obvious. Yes. You may actually be starving or like um, needing drink, spiritual drink, mm -hmm. and there's no physical reflex Absolutely. that tells yeah. you that. And that's scary. Yeah, and you, and you may never have experienced it before. Like like there, there is like, the, the, there is this picture Jeremiah paints because it's a teaching illustration. He wants to capture just how ridiculous from God's perspective, this decision is. But he's deeply aware that there's a whole bunch of people that have never tasted the real thing. It, it's, it's, it's a mystery to them. It's like, it's like, I'm gonna pick a ridiculous example. It's like the first time my wife took me to Chick-fil-A. Um, like I'd eat another fast food and stuff like that. And I got to Chick-fil-A, I was like, this is so much better than anything else I've ever had. Like this is like this is now now of course it can never <laughs> what a good tap into pastor that. likes Christian chicken. <laughs> I didn't even know it was a Christian thing then. Um, <laughs> but 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 it, the, there are things that we've all missed out on that we have no idea how good they are. Yeah. Um. And and we have conversations with people that are like, oh, if you only knew, you'd never keep doing this again. Yeah. Um. Like the the there's the there's the thing. And the fake thing. I, I took my wife out to this fancy restaurant um, at some point, and we we ate steak that was just absurdly good. I mean, just so well done. And then we went to Applebee's the next night with some friends. Um, and and you just have this moment as you like. I'm I'm trying to hack apart this uh, Applebee's uh, sirloin steak that just yeah. like the knife's broken and bent. <laughs> Like that, I will get through this at some point. Like I think, ha had I taken the steak off the plate, the cow, the cow had a decent chance of recovering its health. Like it was that, <laughs> like undercooked and stuff. Um, <laughs> like that, we we have these absurdities in everyday life that probably work better for us as analogies than the water analogy. Um, but for for them, it works. So then, how do we get to this? So the challenge of the message, like it was to stoke our mm -hmm. thirst mm -hmm. maybe yeah and or ensure that we're actually drinking from cisterns that can actually hold water so i think i think there's a couple of things right there's the, in my mind at least as i was prepping there's the there's the things that fake satisfy um and so one of the teaching points i guess is like be aware of what that is for you because I know there's actually a whole bunch of stuff that can actually give me like a, a decent sense of like easy satisfaction. Yeah. I, I can sit and watch a whole bunch. Of, like I, I once binge watched a whole like two seasons of Game of Thrones in like a day and a half. I think it was like, it was like, you know, I mean, I, 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 yeah, no wife and kids around. They were gone for the week. I just sat and, and my, my couch, it actually got a groove in it. Like the, the, the couch was physically damaged from the amount of hours that I sat in it. We had to throw that section away. Um, <laughs> so, so, so in the moment, I'm like, yeah, this is great. This is easy. This feels pretty wonderful. And then afterwards, you're kind of like, Ugh. Yeah, and so I think that that's where this question is getting at is like, what do you mean 
And that's what you mean. Yeah. Have you ever turned to something and thought, oh, you know what I really need is I just need some me time. Yeah. And me time means I get to do what I want, when I want, or I get to go out to eat to a place that I want. Yeah. And then when it's, you experience it. Yeah. And then you're done. I'm like, so when you stood up from that day and a half or two days of binge watching it, did you feel just spiritually, emotionally, psychologically just full of life? No, you kind of like just know there's nothing there. <laughs> it's just there's empty. No there That's there. the cistern yeah. with, that doesn't actually hold yeah, water. I, 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 and maybe even I mentioned this on the podcast, I bizarrely picked up an old game that I'd played as a kid when I was on paternity leave. Uh, and like I, I looked at the game time after like the, the week. I was like, oh my goodness, how did I play that this much? Um, like that's horrific. Um, and so the, yep. there's this like sense of just um, dissatisfaction, even when it feels in the moment like satisfaction. And that can cover a whole range of things. Like one of the questions was, gives, like, what are some examples? Uh, and and the, for the problem is almost like anything can be an example. Yeah, so that, that was the other question. Let me just read it. So can you give me some tangible life examples going after cisterns instead of going springs of water? So, so theore theoretically, like everything from the very best things about life to the very worst things about life can be a cistern. If you think about it like that. Yeah, so... Like, that... like heroin can be a cistern. Yeah. Uh, like liquor, alcohol of all kinds can be a cistern. Like the, the, I mean, there's all prostitutes, like sleeping with prostitutes could be a system. Marriage could also be a system. Parenting could also be a system. Work could also be a system. We where, where I think we struggle massively is like we see people. Um, some people use the language of like explode versus implode. And it's what it is to become addicted and, and get your satisfaction from something. And an explode is when you like, yeah, I get it from drugs and now I'm like broke, lost my house, lost my family. And I keep going back to the same thing just to get that hit that will make me feel human for a second. Yes. Um, so that's exploding. Imploding is the, the mm -hmm. opposite. It's, it's the workaholic. It's the, I'm yeah. going to build the business. So um, yeah, that's what I was going to get to. So for me, because I like try and do reverse psychology on myself, <laughs> because I want to like, I want to have my cistern that doesn't hold water, but I want that cistern to have the appearance of being a well. Yeah. So I like, this is how wacky my brain is. <laughs> and my, my sinful nature is so twisted. It's and warped. It's twisted and warped where I try and play my mind games with myself and with the people around me to say, oh, my cisterns are better than your cisterns. <laughs> At least like, I don't do like drugs and stuff. Totally. But I, so my cistern, one of my big ones is education. Yeah. So like I, when I'm trying to avoid God or avoid an issue or avoid a lot of times, I'll just do a deep dive into some subject. Yeah. And I'll study like sometimes it's, sometimes it's innocuous, but like I'll study like how to make espresso really, really well. Yeah. For like 30 you know hours. Some of the most random things about stuff. Like the, the and, and it's not everything, but just topics will come up and suddenly it's like, you mentioned something. I'm like, oh no, Aaron at some point has gone full nerd on this subject. <laughs> like yes, which is like... sometimes a cistern. Other times I'm like, oh, it's not even that meaningless. It's like, oh no, I'm studying the Bible. Yeah. Or I'm studying a theological su su yeah, side yeah. subject matter. And uh, 
so my cistern, not only is it not a pursuit of God, even if it's a pursuit of his word, mm. but it also puffs up my pride sometimes mm. and my self-righteousness, like my cisterns are better than your oh, yeah, cisterns. It's like and it's like the, your it's... cistern is taking drugs or doing this or that, but my cistern is like education and about the Bible. And ooh, I it's twisted. I have the twisted. best cistern that doesn't hold water in the church. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you go through that for months. And yes, okay, mind you, it's not exploding. Yeah. It's not necessarily like losing my job over that, but it does affect my family and yeah. it hurts. And then after, if I've done that for too long, man alive, my soul feels so dry. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is, that soul dryness where you're mm -hmm. like, God, I'm missing you. There's something, like you wake up in the middle, uh, in the morning and you're like, why is today? Yeah. Why, why yeah. is there anything that I'm doing that has any meaning or value? And if you felt that feeling, that's the thirst. Yeah. That then you then you're like, well, okay, so what am I going to do today to fill this hole? I oh, I get a chance to go this or oh, I'm going to go get myself an extra special cup of coffee on the way to work and that's going to like calm down mm -hmm. this anxiety that I'm meaningless and purposeless mm -hmm. in life. Do I sound like I know this feeling too yeah, much? Yeah, just a little bit. Like, like, wow. It feels like we've got a couch. Do you need to lie down? Yeah. How do I really feel? <laughs> like, you're like, wow, you just described it very, very well. Uh, Should have had you preach. Um, yeah, the, the, there's, there's so much in that. And, and there's so much, to, like, you might call it addiction. Um, I, I just, uh, I was reading to my wife, perhaps mistakenly, uh, uh, interview with Tim Keller who was talking about how his wife had uh, come to him and said, uh, basically, you're really wise and frugal on all of your financial spending, except with books. Like you spend a fortune on books. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and she said, and I know why you do it. Because part of your identity is you want to look smart. So you believe that by buying lots of books, that shows that you're smart. Um, wow. and I'm reading this tomorrow and I'm like, okay, can I abort this? Like, I'm like, cause I buy a ton of books, like, you know, <laughs> like, like trying to uh -oh. hide under the table or something. Why did I'm I like, read that yeah. out loud to you? <laughs> now my sister is under the spotlight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spotlight. And, and then Tim Keller said, no, but it's fine because Jesus told me to buy books and the books need me. And that's the end of the interview. <laughs> just, <laughs> just trying to bail out. Yeah. Um, Russell Brand, the comedian, you know, in his recovery as a drug addict talks about how he he almost feels lucky that his addiction his it's an explosion, and he says so it's so obvious it can't be hidden from. Um, and he and what mm -hmm. he says to the the crowd reads in his book. He says the problem is most of you guys won't find it out till you're sixty or seventy. Yes. Um, so you won't you won't know what the cistern is, uh, and you've been scrabbling around for water um, <clears throat> yeah. in this thing that that can't give it. I think there's this passage that that's super interesting when it comes to this, um, and I think it's like Paul is talking about this. Um, let's see if I can find it here. Oops. Carry on. <laughs> I shouldn't have mentioned it. Um, uh, I could just carry on. I could yeah. always carry on talking. Yeah, <laughs> it's my system. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, I, I um, now I suddenly yeah, I was, I was close. 
I, I just panicked because it was dead air. So, um, yeah, Philippians chapter three, um, and he, Paul goes to, um, yeah. Oh, I guess I should put this on the screen. Sorry, folks. Here, I think you're looking at my screen, but you aren't yet. Ta-da, there's my video switcher. Um, but whatever <laughs> but whatever were gains for me. So he opens up this chapter and he says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, yeah, I got of the everything. tribe of Benjamin. Yeah. It's kind of like it, it's kind of like his way of of going like, um, I was a Hebrew of yeah, Hebrews yeah, of very, the tribe yeah, of be, Benjamin. Yeah, I was spiritual, be. I was zealous, I was all of these different things. And but then he he turns and he says here in verse seven. But whatever gains uh, to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. And I think, I mean, this is not a neutral, mm. which ironically, so his, everything that he lists is actually really good. Yeah. He had great parents yeah. that made sure that he was circumcised on the eighth day. Eighth day. Educated he was educated in the things, scriptures. Yeah. He like all of these different things that should have been positive things. He actually he doesn't put them in neutral. Yeah, and like what just add Jesus and then they're extra mm -hmm. magical. Yeah, he actually calls them detrimental to his soul. Yeah, because of exactly what you're just saying. Mm -hmm. He's basically saying like, I thought I was okay. Yeah, because of those things, but I was actually um, blind. Now if Let's say he grew up and he was uh, this horrible person who never did anything. His parents beat him, like horrible existence, whatever. And he had all these addictions. He knows clearly that mm, he's broken. Yeah. And at least he's one step closer to surrender yeah, because yeah. of that. Yeah. In his situation, and the reason I get passionate about this, because it's much of my life. I was out of my siblings. I was the good kid. I chose to go I to Bible totally college. See that. I, I chose to do this. I chose to do that. I, You're not I was the oldest sibling either. Are you? No, I'm the middle kid. And middle I was, kid. I was the one who my parents would tell me to do something. And I would be like, okay, I'll do that. And then I would just obey and on and on and on. And then it took me That's years strange. and years into my, uh, walk with Jesus before I realized that I was broken. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I'd never actually surrendered to the heart of God because I was like, why would I need to? Mm. Um, and so my sisters, my cisterns were very well crafted and designed to have the appearance of of holding water, yeah. but they didn't. So, so here's where here's where I think like. So I, I totally agree. Like, I think the struggle for us uh, as human beings, this isn't even a Western twenty first century thing, which I think a lot of our struggles are Western twenty first century things. This is just a human thing. Like we don't know what we don't know. Um, we haven't experienced what we haven't experienced. So, so where where I think Paul's uh, Jeremiah's analogy is really helpful for us is like we don't know what the fountain of life is like if we haven't experienced it. Um, we we're we're, mm. we're missing this important piece of information. When you don't know the fountain of life, of course you scrabble around digging yeah. cisterns. Of course you look for water wherever you can find it. Of course you hope that the rainy season will give you enough to last through the dry season. Like that's just absolutely natural. And so part of the problem is like recognizing thirst is one side of the equation, experiencing the thing that satisfies thirst or actually yeah. even, even, even more interestingly, like, like it, 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 
it actually, I think, just increasingly builds more thirst. Like, like in a good way, like it constantly sends you back to the fountain. This isn't a drink once and be forever happy thing. This is a uh, orient your life around access to this spring that doesn't run dry and never gets old and is always fresh and new. Like, like that, that, that's the picture it paints. And so like the only like illustration that comes to mind that maybe gives, you, gives us a little bit of that is if you ever have watched a little child eat food for the first time, like I'm talking like baby six months old, like I, I watch right that, that every day right now. You're right in that face right now. Like, <laughs> so they've, they've grown up on, on milk, whether it's formula, whether it's like breast milk or whatever. And, and, and then suddenly you start handing them like bits of avocado or mashed up bits of whatever, like, you know, the yeah. little pots that come to the thing. And you watch their faces. They get those first like senses of flavors. And there's like kind of this building, like, no, I want more of that. And you have this moment as a parent where you're like, oh, my dear, there is so much more than this. Like, I mean, we're starting you off on like these basic, like bland, mushy, whatever. But but wait until you experience what it is to to eat ice cream on, on a hot day. Wait until you experience what it is to eat steak that's just out of... Wait until you experience what it is to, to, to get your first sense of like a freshly fried donut or something like that. There's so much more than just the first taste of real food. Yes. And so, so yeah, that first taste, well, that matters. That's important. Um, it's a building block to later appreciations of food and all those different things. And so... so recognizing where we have looked for our thirst to be satisfied is important, but somewhere there has to be these first experiences of God that start to give you a sense of just how good the fountain is. Yeah. And I, so I, that just reminds me of this passage in Psalm 34, eight says, taste and see yeah, that the Lord is good. Wonder, yeah. um, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Um, I love that text because it's basically that challenge. It's that challenge to say, if you've ever tasted it, like it is the, a lot of times before I lead worship at South and I'm, we pray as a team beforehand. And I, a lot of the times I'll pray this prayer. I'll say, Lord, um, may we taste and see that the Lord is good and having tasted mm. never want anything. Yeah. Else. Yeah. Um, so, so that, that, yeah. that, that's the challenge. The, the, the challenge in that though is like somewhere again, Jeremiah's metaphor breaks down. Um, when you realize that the fountain of life is what sustains you and what you need, but the access to it is not always as easy as the access will be to systems, um, that we come to rely on. There, yeah, there's the trouble, right? Yeah. Like the reflex of thirst uh -huh. physically is so palpable. I, I know I just experienced it. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. But the reflex for spiritual or soul thirst is so, like the soul, Dallas Willard, I think, I think it was Dallas Willard who said that the soul is the quietest member of mm -hmm, the self. Definitely said that, yeah, yeah. And um, that's annoying yeah, because the yeah. soul actually is really good at diagnosing the state of your entire self. And you even, have body, soul, mind, spirit, all of these things. And the soul, Dallas Willard would des describe as the executive center of the self. And and the soul is so quiet and still and whispering. And 
and knows whether we're okay or not okay, but it's not loud enough to overcome mm. the noise around yeah. us. And even just on a human level, like even if you're not someone who would say you're following Jesus, like we know just by experience, like bad relaxation is easier than somewhat healthy relaxation. Like last, last night, like we were, Laura was trying to do something with Leo, our youngest, and I was trying to finish some work up. And I just looked at her at some point and said, do you want to just order Chinese food tonight? So we just put in a new Eats and the Chinese food and I ate it and I was like, Ugh, I just regret it. Like I just, I, I wish I hadn't eaten that. It just felt heavy in my stomach. It was the easy opt out. Um, actually, had we taken time to, pr to cook something freshly made and all those different things, I would have felt so much better. So j just by nature, like easy relaxation is just, is what grabs us. Uh, there's a prayer that I've prayed multiple times when we've gathered a staff or, or elders, and it goes something like, uh, as we gather our scattered senses. Yeah. Uh, recognizing like um, brains when we come to prayer are often all over the place, processing the day, uh, the future, the past, uh, our, 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 like sense of just any sense you can pick. It's like they're, they're just all over the place. Yeah. Actually bringing them in to a point where the soul can rise to the surface and become the centerpiece of, of, uh, of our lives and its connection with God can be the focus of the moment. Yeah. That's work. That, that certainly is a learned behavior. There's plenty of times I'm like, do you know what? It'd be so much easier to press the button on the TV and find a show that I can just watch for a few hours. Um, so much easier. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe let's pivot. I think we've answered, at least done our best job of answering these questions. So let's pivot to like, okay, what do we do about this? So what are some some steps that maybe as we've talked about it, someone out there is is saying, yeah, you know what? Maybe there is this dryness that I haven't really acknowledged that a feeling of depression mm. or, and not all depression is just this. Um, you know, there's other variables involved in that, but it's that waking up and feeling like, ah, I'm still going through the motions. Maybe those are the, some warning signs of dryness of the soul. Mm. What do they do about it? How do they increase their thirst for God? And how do they quench their thirst for God? Wait, I just answered the last question. This is yours. No, but you're the pastor <laughs> of the chair. <laughs> um, you have I, to answer all the well, hard well, ones first. Well, here's, here's what I'm intrigued by with that. Like, I just wonder based on personalities, how the answer changes. So yeah. So I, th I think we're a church that firmly believes that practices, spiritual practices lead to experiences with God. They, they aren't just, they aren't the experience themselves, but they are like memory and they're easier to, the, the more you do them when life is normal, the easier it is to do them when life gets really difficult. Yes. Uh, so, so don't wait until there's a crisis to say, I'm going to actually take prayer seriously. Um, yeah. Do it now. now. Now, depending on your personality, you might say, oh, I find that so hard for a couple of different reasons at least. Yeah. So, so if you're someone who, and, and I would fit this category more, if you're someone who is super scattered, in your thoughts and emotions. Like I'm not, I would never describe myself as a super disciplined person. Actually a little bit of discipline can actually start to lead you into a good place with spiritual rhythms. Yeah. So like even something like making your bed in the morning, which I self-confessedly don't do usually because my wife and Leo are still asleep in it. Yeah. Um, 
like they can help, but but psychologists that aren't necessarily followers of Jesus talk about this. Jordan Peterson talks about like yeah. first step, tidy up your room. Clean up your room. Clean up clean up your room. Like actually putting some like physical, like no controllable elements of you can see the progress, you can see what's changed, can yeah. actually help you step into becoming a person that says, Okay, this morning I'm gonna make a cup of coffee. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to read some passages from the Bible. I'm going to ask God to speak to me. And I'm going to ask him to help me experience him and become thirsty because of it. Yep. Like, like so, so if you're that person, that, something practical like that probably helps. Where it's harder for me to understand the person is if, they're, if you're the other way. Like everything about your life is rigid uniform like yeah. super disciplined i do this i do this i do this because your problem probably isn't picking up the bible if you value it you probably do that anyway yeah it's probably not praying um it, it, it's probably connected more to any idea that god would accept someone like you um because you probably come with a whole bunch of baggage around like not being good enough and everything yeah so uh, weirdly sometimes the spiritual practice for if you're very systematized and very regimented, that might be a cistern in and of itself, mm -hmm. an attempt to quiet the voice that you're not good enough. And maybe a spiritual practice for you is to skip going, skip reading. Yeah. And going for a, a second, I thought you were going to say skip church. I was like, that's never the practice. No. <laughs> I've actually recommended so, it once. Yeah, there was yeah, this yeah, guy I, I, was, I was talking to, and he said, I just... I came, I went over to his house just to hang out with him. And he just pulled me aside. And he said, I'm just so sorry. I missed church last month. And I'm just like devastated. And I've been thinking about it like crazy. And my, I feel so much guilt and so much shame. And I was like, whoa. I was like, your relationship with going to church is not what that is supposed mm -hmm. to be. Going yeah. to church is a gift. Yeah. Um, it is not a means of salvation. And so I said, I, as your pastor... Maybe like maybe not yet. Maybe that this is too precarious for you. But I would like you to go to church in the presence of God and not go to church for a week. Yeah. And just know that this is okay. Yeah. Like, absolutely. And so anyway, but I had, yeah, I had a friend I had a friend that, that he fasted prayer for six months. Like he, he said like I feel so guilty every time I don't pray. I don't I never feel like I've prayed enough. And he said, So I just decided for six months I wasn't gonna consciously like spend time in prayer. And he said, I was hitchhiking through New Zealand, like dead road. And he said, in that moment, I stood on the side of the road, hadn't seen a car for hours. And I said, God, could you show me you love me right now? And he said, this car came over the hill right as he prayed it. And of course, yeah. it easily just be a coincidence, but you know, it, it just, it just, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. Uh, and yeah. so, so he, he said, like, I, I had to step back from some of my addiction, taking a nap can be a great practice at times if you're someone who's addicted to achievement. So, so my wife is um, way more systematic than I am. And she's she's so faithful. Like, gosh, I, if I could bottle an ounce of her faithfulness mm. to, to like spend time with the Lord and exercise and like she just has rhythms that are so beautiful and yeah. so powerful. And without them, our family probably would fall apart. <laughs> but... Um, uh, but one of the things she's been talking about is like, she has on her mirror, like it's okay to take a nap. Mm. Like, so that's one of the things she's fighting for is there's a moment where she has to step back and say, I need 
to do a little bit of soul care here or here or rest my body because it's physically tired or, and she struggles to let go of that and actually rest into the, some of those sorts of things. And um, yeah, there's different ways of approaching it. So it's hard to answer it universally. I, I, totally. Yeah. I, I really feel like it is. And and yet we're trying to just grapple with the, the invitation part of it from the heart of God, which is life is so good over, over here in the fountain, so much better than it is scrambling around in the systems. Yeah, so maybe a prayer you could pray is, Lord, I want to taste and see that you're good. Yeah. Um, and just find a way to pray that, whether you're walking or sitting down or making your cup of coffee or whatever, and and just say, I want to taste and see that you're good. And I think, and I, I want to experience that because it, once I've experienced it a few times, it's a little bit easier to return to the well rather than to the cistern. And I think, I think, uh, I wonder whether for lots of people uh, in 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 the Western Church, our struggle is that we're not really that convinced that God is good. And I'm using good now, not in the sense of, I think we're pretty convinced he's morally good. Um, even if there's some people that might have those questions, but we're not particularly convinced he's enjoyable, fun, really interested in us or really likes us. Yeah. Like, like the, the, I mean, the, I think the loves question is like most people are like, yeah, God definitely loves me. Does he like me? Yeah. I don't know. I don't even like me really. Yeah. Um, so, so I think like we, we struggle with that when we say taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, morally good. Yeah. Good as in good to be around. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something you can only experience. And what I love is re I've heard this repeatedly from people over mm -hmm. the years, people that have spent more and more time with God. Uh, they've used language like God and I have been laughing together a lot recently, mostly at me. Like, like that, that, like that yeah. piece of like the conversation you've touched on this, yeah. like, you know, the, there's this like, you know, you know, part of your in, in, yeah. in, interaction with God, the, the missionary Jim Elliott said before he went out to South America, he said, yeah, you know, we, we just sit and we laugh at my own inconsistencies and my, the way I get so wound up about so many things like that. Yeah. Or, I think another spiritual practice that may help you also is to uh, another passage that says every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so to, to practice the uh, spiritual practice of gratitude, mm. but go small. Yeah. Like if you really like coffee, say, thank you for designing and creating coffee. Cause it, and that I, so like sometimes those, those little things or, for me, it's like the sky is, I don't know what it is about the sky. I'm like, <laughs> there's times where I'll go outside and there's a sunrise or a sunset um, and I'm outside and I just look up at the sky and I'm like, uh, especially a sunrise, I love going out and there's most of the world around me is still sleeping. And I'm like, how comical is it that you would paint this majestic thing for no one to see mm. except for a few of us who are up at this hour. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's extravagant goodness and mm. kindness that he would create mm -hmm. this thing. And half the world is in bed. <laughs> Not, and he's like, this is how much excess goodness yeah. I have. I have it's the time. Wasteful goodness. I have the time and energy to paint this masterpiece mm -hmm. and half the world is in bed. Um, so I just love that kind of stuff. And then write those things down and it reminds you that that he is good in the mm. best possible way that you could think of. I'm trying of. to remember who, it, who who was it that said that, like, 
our common understanding is that the that the the sun is just the same every day, uh, and yet it could be that God just creates the same sun every day, and never gets tired of creating them. Like like when you do yeah. when you pull yourself back from it, like and and uh, you know the 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 flowers that appear and everything. Like God is constantly excited by the springs that emerge, um, like the rhythms that that appear and and. I think finding ways to bring your relationship with God into things that you love um, is is a challenge for us. Um, we do that instinctively with people. You know, yes. I've I've got a a pal that I go skiing snowboarding with, and 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 JD loves to snowboard. He's always inviting people snowboarding and skiing. Um, and now he's tried to get me into mountain biking, which I don't love. Um, and. Yeah, at the same time, I appreciate his desire to like his value on it. He's like, okay, yeah, he really values this as a thing, and he wants me to value it too. Um, yeah, he, th he thinks life, my life, will be better with it. Uh, yeah. And and we struggle with that with God. I think we struggle to think he could be interested in that. Like when you get that great cup of coffee that you like, like the fact that God is actually excited by your great cup of coffee and your enjoyment of it. It's a bit difficult for us to grasp at times. I've had a pal that used to say, I go playing golf with God. Like, you know, we'll just have conversations yeah. as I hit the golf balls and stuff like that. Yeah, the and, you know, disc golf for me, spiritual practice. Totally. And he says, you know, in, in my imagination, God doesn't play because he'd be much better than I am. Um, like, that would make me sad. But <laughs> <laughs> just, <That'd> be, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, just an invitation, though, right? To, so if you want to explore this, there may be some books that you could start with. One would be 1,000 Gifts. Um it's a it's about gratitude. Another book would be um, uh, every um, pra, not pra, well so practicing the presence yeah, of God. Celebration of discipline by um, uh, man. What is wrong with us today? Yep. Not celebration. Richard not, Foster. Yeah, not Dallas Willard. Yeah, Richard, Richard Foster. Foster uh, um, is great. Um, uh, practicing the presence of God is an old school one, but it's also beautiful. Um, the, the cloud of unknowing is like a, a super, like it's an anonymous text and it's like, it's well out there, but it, it really taps into some of the mystical. Uh, one of the ones I was trying to think of is, um, you know, I, I really the, love the liturgy of the ordinary Yeah, is yeah, another way, uh, that's like, how do I create a liturgy for doing the laundry mm -hmm. or a liturgy for making dinner or whatever? And it, it helps you. Um, to experience the good and goodness of God and encounter and drink from the well of life in the everyday. Uh, Naked Spirituality by Brian McLaren is is a book. I've probably read that book more times than maybe any other book. What is um, it? Naked Spirituality. I haven't read that one. And 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 so uh, and and uh, Brian McLaren's one of those guys. I always feel like in an evangelical crowd, like I'm giving a caveat because I. I don't agree with everything he says, but that's almost true of every author for me. Like this, <laughs> I only I agree just, with everything I say. <laughs> I don't even agree with everything I say. Um, <laughs> yeah, I come to think of it, that's true. Yeah. So, so, but he, what he does is he, he does a really great job of practice, breaking down practices around words um, and seasons of life. So he breaks huh. like into like seasons of simplicity and complexity, complexity and perplexity, uh, and then seasons of harmony and just kind of huh. feels out of that rhythm, but That's but in, awesome. in a world of spiritual disciplines too. So um, there's, there's so many great books out there on that. It really is just finding something that works well for you in a season and realizing that doing it in a season where life is feeling like it's manageable 
is so much easier than trying to learn it in a season where life feels like it's falling apart. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, maybe that's the challenge is you just gotta, um, there is just like Jesus said to the woman, in the well, there's like, there is a well that God offers that if you go and drink there, you would never thirst again. Mm -hmm. That that's a thing. That's a thing in the kingdom of God. And so just dangle that carrot in front of you and you need to experiment in your, in the presence of God to find how do I tap into that well? Mm. Cause that well, uh, if you've never experienced it is the best thing you could possibly experience. And if you, if you, uh, have experienced it and it's been a while, you know, and your heart longs, even hearing us talk about it, your heart longs for it. So get back to that well in some way, shape, or form. I love it. Cool. Way to close us off. <laughs> After an hour of saltine crackers, wells, and Chick-fil-A. Indeed. See y'all. See you guys. Bye. Well, thanks again for listening, and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.